Film fans. It's the holiday season, and we're going to try to be festive in these dark times, so we'll shed some light on We've got two wonderful guests today, Carl. Yes, we do. I know them both. I've seen, I've, I've worked with one of them, and I've seen the other ones work. We'll talk to our guest, Gary F. Bell, from Stray Dog Theater in just a minute. Around minute 12, we'll talk to our other guest, Paul Cook, from St. Louis Radio. Around minute 18, Mank. Around minute 36, Black Bear. Around minute 44, Nomadland. Around minute 57, 18 to Party. Around one hour, The Prom. Around one hour and five minutes, Dear Santa. Around one hour and seven minutes, All My Life and The Sound of Metal. Around one hour and 11 minutes, Movie and Theater News. And around one hour and 17 minutes, It's Christmas Time. Well... Uh, we're going to start with our, our very special guest who will be here for the whole show, and that is Paul Cook, our friend from local radio. <laughs> That's it. Local radio broadcaster. Thank you, guys. Excited to be here. Well, we're really happy to see you because so often we don't see you. Yeah. Paul and I, I was on Paul's show for a year doing movie reviews and then, you know, everything changes and they make decisions and that's the way it is. And awesome times, so. though. Awesome. Okay. You were so good at that. We had so much fun, and you ran up the steps of the St. Louis Public Library like Rocky. <laughs> oh, that was in the time of Creed too. So that was yeah, so right, fun. right. So, and then we have another wonderful guest, a star of stage and a big mover and shaker in the arts industry, Gary F. Bell. Hi, Gary. Hi, guys. How are you? Nice Good. To see you. Hey. Good. We understand that your annual, I don't know what to call soiree, is now yeah. virtual, and it starts tomorrow. So we want to hear all about yeah. Home for the Holidays at Stray Dog Theater. Well, I, my, my main role in life is the artistic director of Stray Dog Theater. And since we've been closed down in March, we we're in the middle of rehearsing for Annie when that all had to go south and I send all those lovely kids home. Um, and so that was sort of sad. But we were able to do a lot of virtual things. We created these acting pods uh, where we continued with uh, Lobby Hero, which was our June show. Which was great, which was oh, thank terrific. You. Thank you. We, we were able to salvage that show because there's only four people and we created these interesting kind of acting pods, which you'll see also in Home for the Holidays. We use them there again. And then in October, we did an audio kind of thing, a presentation of Edgar's uh, work, a few, a few of his pieces. We thought he'd be super to do for October since it's not usually stage stuff with him, uh, but his poems and, and short stories are really amazing. But starting tomorrow, December the 5th and running through December the 31st is our uh, big uh, home for the holidays soiree uh, kind of musical, uh, event, like the old fashioned musicals that they used to do during the, the December time specials, like a Bing Crosby special. And we've been working on that since October. We have had dancers outside, all socially distanced, and a wide variety of over 30 different actors, singers, and dancers are going to be presenting in that event. And we've been filming it um, through, with our pods inside the Abbey and outside the Abbey. Our, our wonderful board was very helpful and they uh, greenlighted the uh, purchasing of four film cameras and to do all this kind of great work so we can still stay relevant while we're hanging out here waiting to come back to the stage. 
So we're trying to do something at least every other month, like we would have if we were performing on the Abbey stage. We always performed every, every other month in our season. And we're gonna do something interesting and special so we can share our artistic, uh, interesting, innovative stuff through this new concept of finding a way to do it virtually. We didn't want to do a Zoom type situation only because we felt it was still a little bit distant. And we found that these acting pods just brought people in a little bit closer. It was kind of film meets radio meets theater all into one. Um, I, I, I have a lot of energy. Don't know if you picked up on that yet. <laughs> I don't like to hear the word no. No, you can't perform. So I, of course we wanna make sure it's all done very safely. And you'll see a lot of masks in, in Home for the Holidays but they've been designed by our costumer, Eileen Engel. They look like little uh, Christmas sweaters and uh, fun little things are all over the, the mask. <laughs> so we, we just take it and run with it. That's what you gotta do these days. Oh yeah, Eileen is a terrific costumer. She works in the Muni costume shop and uh, she uh, was there last season before the season with the uh, Cinderella and Matilda and all those really elaborate costumes. And she's also a dresser there too, but she is on the stage. Um, I want to give a shout out to Stray Dog because the last couple of years they have done some incredible plays. They did Ragtime rag on their stage, which swept the St. Louis Theater Circle Awards two years ago. And then wow. last year they did this fabulous Dream Girls. And uh, they just do really innovative stuff that nobody else is doing. And Lobby Hero is from Kenneth Lonergan, of Manchester by the Sea and yes. other plays. And I love his writing and you just had four people, but they were so good at it. And these pods, after a while, you just forgot they were there. And, <laughs> and their do. characters yeah. came through. Well, so I like that's, to say that's my directing, that's Lynn, but you know, I'm just saying. No, it's really, really, really good. And then Eileen, um, I said Eileen, Eileen also did the costumes for Tommy. And what she did was she did these neon strips that were like LED lights on the costumes. They were like light up wow. costumes. Yeah, they're really cool. They were neat. Yeah. Now, so I can imagine. Yeah, I can imagine what she's done on masks and everything. Yeah, yeah she's been very, very clever on, on helping us keep together. Um, but, you know, the arts organizations are having a lot of trouble, but um, we've been lucky that we, you know, half of our company is an outreach uh, program, which is uh, after school programs for kids through Arches, which is our funder. And we've been able to keep that going with kids virtual as well as in school. And, you know, when they have to take a break because of the COVID increase, we go back virtual with the kids and then we go back in with the kids. So we've been able to shift our focus to concentrate on that a lot. So that's been helpful to keep us going. And hopefully this uh, soiree fundraiser will also bring in some funds. Uh, our goal was very interesting, like you had said, when we started this off, Lynn, was to keep things upbeat. We, it's a really fun, fun show. You know, there's not a lot of like down stuff. There's enough down stuff as there is, right? So we want to create yeah. some experiences and, and have some fun things that people could watch and listen to, uh, music, dance, uh, some folks are doing some testimonials and they're real kind of fun and silly. And uh, so, yeah, we're hoping that everyone will come out and watch and if they feel comfortable to donate again, it's free to watch. If you, you know, are in a position where you're not, you can't do that right now, we're we would rather you come see the show. Um, if you, you can't, can't donate, it's, it's, and if you can donate. So whatever is good for you is good for us is how we feel about it. 
That's really cool. Gary, I wanted to ask, could you describe an acting pod for what we can look to see? Yeah, well, hey, I'm going to be a tricky guy here and say, if you want to see what one looks like, come watch the holidays. <laughs> Will but do. They're, but they're basically like sound booths. The best way to describe them is if you've ever seen on television, celebrities uh, basically voicing over a um, animated uh, cartoon yeah. show. Yeah, and they're inside a booth like that, except you can stand in ours. Uh, they're not sitting down. You could sit if you wanted to sit, but they're about uh, a little over six feet tall and about five feet across, and they have uh, a slanted plexiglass in them, so the lights are work well. Wow. And they're really designed really well, where an actor can move inside that space fairly freely. Um, they're quite large because cool. our our stage across is twenty five feet, and we have four of them that take up the entire. 25 feet, so they're, they're quite big. Um, and they give the opportunity for actors to kind of talk to each other because they're kind of in the round, slanted around a little bit. So you can look across the way and see the person that you're performing with. And there's plexiglass on the sides of them as well as the slant in the front that you can see on either side of you. Uh, so our designer, set designer, Josh Smith, took uh, my crazy idea with our associate artistic director, Justin Bean. We kind of came up with the idea with him and, and made that happen. Really? Because, yeah. I mean, I'm from New York originally and I just don't like the word no. Uh, <laughs> and I'm not gonna sit down for the entire time of COVID. I, I have to be creative, otherwise I go nuts. Um, so I'm happy we did it. Yeah, and it seems to have worked, you know? My, my feeling is you gotta, you gotta give it a try and see what happens. Absolutely. So where can we find this tomorrow? Cause I know it starts at noon no. and then technically it's self-sufficient. Right. right. It, yeah. It's, it starts tomorrow and the time is kind of open right now. Is it by noon or by five? Well, we're going to post it when it's, it's completing a few things here and there, but it's going to be around uh, tomorrow is definitely going to start and just go to our website, www.straydogtheater, R-E at the end, dot org. And uh, you're going to see it on our homepage. You push a button and there you go. Pretty easy. Do right it. Away. Yeah, it's all recorded. Um, you know, it's all being set up so you can just watch whenever you'd like to. Send it out to other people around the country if they want to have a fun time for the holidays. Watch it twice. I've already watched it four times, but you know. <laughs> and and I'm not sick it, of it. it. It's some of the best singers in St. Louis. I can. Yeah. I, I. I already can figure out who's in it. Yeah, great, great stuff. We have Sarah Ray Womack, who is Adelaide and Guys and Dolls. Eileen is singing as well. Uh, Phil Leveling from Jesus Christ Superstar. Uh, really great folks that are singing, dancing. Fun, good time. Really nice wow. for them all to come out. Well, thanks. And I hope you can enjoy the holiday season and stay safe. Well, thank you so much, guys. I appreciate you uh, talking about it. I think it'll be a great fun. would love for you all to come and watch. Thank you for the invitation. That sounds amazing. Can't yeah, wait. And, then we'll, and then we'll talk about it next week, what we what we liked about it. And yeah, we'll just which will be on. everything. <laughs> <laughs> which will be good. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Well, thank you. Mary, 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 Mary. You, you bet. Great. All right. I'll catch you all later. Thank Thanks. you. Yes. Bye-bye, Gary. Good luck. Have a great day, guys. I appreciate it. Take care thank now. Thank you. Bye. Bye. So, Paul, Paul and I work together in radio. And uh, for the last 19 years, he's been at one place. And now he is, uh, he's, as they say, on the beach <laughs> as he was uh, unceremoniously, uh, without warning, uh, set free. 
on the beach. And uh, Paul, what have you been doing the last couple of weeks? Hopefully nothing. Heroin. No, I'm just kidding. It's some kind of crazy crack or something. I don't know. No, I've, it's been good. Uh, just really excited to uh, uh, have some time to try something new. You know, it's uh, it, it was time, I think, you know, as you kind of get a little more acceptance in that it was it was time. OK, well, we we also are, are holding hope that you will be after your three month sabbatical, you'll uh, surface somewhere. But, you know. Uh, That's a good our, chance. Our friend, good. Uh, our friend Jill Devine, she started a brand new career when she was unceremoniously dumped. And uh, she's got her podcast and she's doing well with that. If you follow her on Instagram, it's uh, uh, what is it? Two, 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 two moms. All oh, right. Two kids in a career. That's right. And it's so good. I mean, mm -hmm. I hear people mention me on there and someone saw, heard me on Jill's podcast and hired me to come give an assembly at a high school about uh, substance abuse. Yeah, I mean, it, she is doing a great show. Great show. Yeah, well, that's, that's good to hear. That's good. And Paul yeah, does and have his. Paul does have his other side gig. Well, he is an author. Right. Yeah. And uh, he and does motivational speaker. He does tremendous work with uh, school kids and their parents because. As, as we have delved into this, when, remember when we talked to Nick Sheff, who, whose dad wrote Beautiful Boy about his addiction, yes. and he came to St. Louis, and, and we talked, and Paul goes to talk to the parents, because so many times parents are in the dark, they don't understand, uh, if you see the documentary on Belushi, which Paul, you should watch, you should get to. Mm. It's on Showtime. Yeah. And, okay. Uh, so good, because back then nobody treated it like a disease right right you know it, 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 yeah the hollywood elite were all doing coke and whatever and and so he didn't really have the you know he didn't have the tools whereas after that then lauren michaels could intervene with chris farley could how'd that work out yeah well, well no it, it it it's they it's all around the people you surround yourself with. And Paul has a wonderful support system. Like the reason Chris Farley happens, he didn't have, you know, he had friends, but he did not have that support system. Like Pete Davidson has a support system of friends like John Mulaney. And you wouldn't think that Pete Davidson and John Mulaney would hang out, but they, they support, they went on tour together and they supported each other. And John Mulaney is a good reason that one Pete Davidson's still alive and two, that he's clean at the moment. Wow. I, you know, I never looked at it. I, I mean, I've, I mentioned that about support systems and it is so important, but I didn't think about it as celebrities go. You're, it seemed like Farley was alone a lot, right. isolating, which is the disease uh, you want to isolate, you know, just everybody leave me alone. I'm not hurting anyone. And, well, yeah, that, you know. also, yeah. Well, like you were saying, like David Spade and Adam Sandler, they would be out with him, but then he'd go out afterwards because he'd want to still self-destruct and they'd be like, we're going to bed, dude. Yeah, right. We got to work in the morning. Exactly, but the Nick Chef uh, movie with, uh, gosh. Timothy Lane, Chalamet. Timothy yes, Chalamet. Yes, Chalamet. And you did a hell of a job with that question and answer uh, time there at, uh, well, I guess my brain isn't working anymore, but uh, the, what was high the point. Yeah, the that's high it, point. High point. Uh, got to meet Nick because of you afterwards, and he says it, and a lot of people do, that basically parents' impulse is, to do all the wrong things. You know, they don't think it's wrong at the time, but 
trying to interfere, help play on the pride, you know, all of those things when it, it's very difficult. You love that kid so much. And uh, so it is good to be able to talk to parent groups and kind of from a guy who's been there, uh, direct them a little bit. So I really appreciate you mentioning that, Lynn. I, I love you. Uh, PaulCookTalks.com. We talk a little bit more about it. Yeah, which should be well, really good. And and you are available, even though the schools, it's just a wacky year. Like, uh, so, I mean, once people, once we get the vaccine and it's going to be, yeah. you'll be going to all those schools again. Yeah, but he'll, he'll do Zooms. You can hire him to do Zoom things to talk to the parents because they, I just, I did a father's club meeting last night virtually. Did you really? That's I cool. Did. Yeah. You, well, those schools that hired me, a, a company called Chestnut Health, was in charge of eight different high schools in Illinois, Granite City High School. And they had me instead, because it all went away, as you know, they had me do a virtual presentation uh, with some video and that, and they sent that out to their school. So you're exactly right. As long as we're getting, having contact with people, I think we're at least above water, you know? Yeah, it's got to stay because a Nick chef and his dad, they wrote a book geared to kids and there's, 200 people a day under the age 50 dying in this opioid crisis. Wow. And you wow. know, and that was before COVID. So you know the numbers for mental health are way higher now. And this is the kind of thing that we need to normalize, that this is happening and this is not bad people. This is a disease. It affects many families. It's affected my family, and uh, it's just it's just one of these things that we need to bring up. So, on that note, we should get to some of the some of the films this because everybody. The more you talk about it, the more it's out there, and the more yes. people feel like they can. Communication talk about is a good thing. Yes. Mm -hmm. Put All light right. on it, not the yes. dark. Put the light on it. Yes. Absolutely. Which one of these uh, films that came out this week deals with addiction? Uh, let, let's start with Mank, because because he was an alcoholic. Oh, my God. And he was a bad alcoholic because he died of uremic poisoning, which mm. basically is alcohol when he was 55. He is the uncle of Ben Mankiewicz on Turner. No, grand, grand, he's the grandfather. Grandfather. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. I'm sorry. Did I say uncle? My friend, Ben Mankiewicz, who last time he was in town, I gave him a gift and spent the entire day with Ben Mankiewicz because uh, he was he was uh, carting around Margaret O'Brien from Meet Me in St. Louis. Uh -huh. uh, well, cool. I spent some time with him when he was accompanying Tippy Hedren for the birds. Yes. So wow. We, so his grand grandfather is Herman J. Mankiewicz. His uncle is the more the, his uncle is more celebrated in Hollywood and is you know barely in the movie. That would be uh, Joe Joseph. Mankiewicz. Joseph yeah. Mankiewicz. He won two again. He did All About Eve. He's got two. He's got four Oscars for two movies. But the, this movie is Gary Oldman as Mank, who was the writer of Citizen Kane. Let's hold on. Let, let me back that up. He's the original screen drafter of Citizen Kane. The Oscar went to the, the only Oscar that Citizen Kane won was for the screenplay. Out of nine nominations. Right. Because wow. uh, everyone was all pissed at uh, Orson Welles because he's the wonderkind and they wanted to show him up. And so uh, Mankiewicz and Welles got shared credit and they both 
won the Oscar, the only Oscar that Citizen Kane ever won. Now, there has been a lot of talk about. Well, let let me give just give the background before we go into the movie. There's been a lot of talk about who actually wrote Citizen Kane, and. Pauline Kael wrote a book in the 1970s saying that Mankiewicz did everything and Orson Welles did nothing. So then Peter Bogdanovich, with Orson Welles' help, wrote a uh, an anti-Pauline Kael book a couple of years later. In 1979, a scholar went to the seven drafts of the Citizen Kane scripts. RKO still had all seven drafts of the script. And they found that it was both of their works. And that is the definitive. So it's it's somewhere right in the middle of what Peter Bogdanovich said and Pauline Kael said. It started out as Mankiewicz's idea, and then Wells molded it because he directed the movie, and he had final say on anything that was in the movie. He had final cut. So he massaged it to the movie that we know today. So they both did it. Now, this movie is just the Pauline Kael story. Right, and it was written by Fincher's dad who died in 2003, so this has been... Which is the- weird because he died in 2003, and you know, this script has changed since 2003 in the 17 years since he passed. He's Fincher's making a statement just by giving his father sole writing credit. Right. So oh. Fincher, I really like his movies. Paul, you've probably seen them. Gone Girl, Fight Club, Seven. Dragon Love it. Seven, one of my favorites of all time. Just the way he does things. Unbelievable. Very meticulous. Uh, one of my, you know, I call them play kids. He was an extra in Gone Girl when they filmed it in Cape Girardeau. And he acted like the paparazzi with the mo- with a boom mic. And they did that scene in front of their house. Mm-hmm. I can't, if you haven't seen Gone Girl, I'm not going to spoil it. But... Um, he took 50 takes. Wow. And and my play kid, Robert, said that he had to lug this stuff up of this little hill every time. And he said Fincher would look at him and then they would he would smile and he would go, one more. <laughs> he, he also he also directed Madonna's Express Yourself, the Marilyn Monroe video that is very famous coming back from music radio. And then he also directed Vogue too. And then uh then Panic Room happened, and then he became a uh, a star. Well, he, Fight Club probably probably got him the star because he still did Alien Three that no one cared about. Did Fincher do uh, Panic Room with Jody Frost? Yeah. Is that, am I yeah. thinking of the right and, thing? And Kristen yeah. Stewart. Kristen young, Stewart was a baby. Uh, he yeah. did the he did the game with uh, with Which, Michael Douglas. Oh, so good, the game that it's- was great. Mm-hmm. I always stop and watch the game when I can. Oh Sh- yeah, Sean, Sean, Penn, Sean Penn's great in that. Oh, and so, then you know, so he good. Did, he did Benjamin Button, which I like but don't love, like a lot of people do. But and then he did uh, on Netflix. He uh, executive produced House of Cards. He brought it over from England, and then yes. uh, and Mindhunter, which people still want him to do another version of Mindhunter, another season of Mindhunter. So David Fincher's been busy. And right. so the, since he's doing all these things with Netflix, he got together Gary Oldman, Amanda Seyfried, uh, Lily Collins, Arliss Howard. Oh, there's so many people. Oh, Ferdinand Kingsley, who plays Irving Thalberg. You know that yeah. Irving Thalberg Award? The that Irving Thalberg him. Award. I thought he'd be a much nicer person, but no, in the movie makes him out to be an asshole. No, and the <laughs> actor, I know, and the actor who plays him 
is Ben Kingsley's son, Ferdinand Kingsley. I figured as much. And then uh, Charles Dance, Charles Dance, who was in Game of Thrones, and he's been around forever, but uh, he plays William Randolph Hearst. And watching this movie made me want to, you know, because everybody knows the story of Herman, uh, of uh, William Randolph Hearst and Citizen Kane, how he tried to get it all shut down, and how Citizen Kane is one of the best reviewed movies and most loved movies of all time, even though people under the age of 50 probably haven't seen it. No. Unless you're a film buff. Well, this is my beef about this movie because I liked it, but I didn't love it. I expected yes. because I just, you know, who doesn't love old movies and old Hollywood and such a star and what a great cast. And I thought, Oh my God, this is going to be so wonderful. It's going to be such a masterpiece. And it's very thick and dense. And it's shot a lot of Fincher's work. You're at a distance. It was shot beautifully. It's shot exactly like Citizen Kane was shot. Oh, it's so beautifully shot. It's these creamy black and whites. Eric Messerschmidt did the cinematography. The production values are just unbelievable. And the the music, the music is by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, who he's worked with. He worked with on Social Network, and they won an Oscar for doing wow. some of his music yeah trent yeah that's right uh so is it in black and white the whole time yes. guys? the whole the whole time and what they've done is to make it old timey because fincher was obsessed with how it was going to look and he made the sound like analog sound like analog instead of digital wow. like they worked on the sound to make it less mm-hmm. modern and cool. also like that it would have those little pops like you know if you were at a movie back then and they had to change yes. reels and yeah they, they have the little yellow circle up in the corner like it's time for the projectionist to switch reels it's it's really old school feel yeah so it's fabulous that way i mean technically it's just brilliant but this story gets so convoluted because it is about the ruthless studio bosses like louis b mayer is a tyrant and arliss howard plays him and arliss howard's my age but he looks really old and he's (laughs) married to deborah winger in real life and so he he plays this bastard louis b mayer but it's also about the studio system and the labor disputes and the uh politics in california which it just goes off on these tangents like when he's riding at this house at this ranch in long hands um orson wells has um john houseman all the distractions like no booze no family no nothing they put him in this middle of nowhere ranch He's got a broken leg and they got to take care of him and he's writing but then he's All, all of that is true by the way yeah, wow. so he's having these flashbacks to old Hollywood, like in the 30s, and going to dinner parties at the Hearst Mansion. Or that the is castle. also all true. The yeah. only part that is not true is the whole uh, Shelley Medcalf part. That is yeah. not true. Yeah, and so and, and I'm not even going to tell you what that is. Paul Paul hasn't seen it, so no. it doesn't. So when you do see it, and then you see, hey, Shelley, that part's not true, which makes it, it's. It's looking for something to uh, hang emotion on. Interesting. Well, it's, it's interesting about the politics because you would think it was today's argument about socialism and it takes place in the 30s. And then it involves Sinclair, Upton Sinclair. The jungle. 
and uh, and he's persona non grata. But the best part to me is Amanda Man- Seyfried. Mankiewicz. Well, Amanda Seyfried, uh, she is terrific in this movie. She said that one dinner scene where they're all at the table in the costumes and everything. Yeah. Fincher shot that a hundred takes. They're uh, all wow. in costume. They're in circus outfits. Yeah. Wow. A hundred takes. So anyway, what I love is in the studio system, they brought all these writers from New York, playwrights, those Algonquin roundtable writers, George S. Kaufman, Ben Hecht. Well, uh, Ben Hecht was the one that actually got the the telegram that they attribute to uh, Marion Davis, uh, Charles Lederer. They they attributed that to Ben Hecht. That's the real story. But of course, they change it for the movies because they need to have Letterer do something to introduce Mank to his aunt, Marion Davis. So there were all these old, uh, you know, old new newspaper writers from New York and they brought him to uh, work on scripts and Mankiewicz did produce the Marx brothers movies, duck soup and, yeah. and that, and he also wrote dinner at eights. Mm-hmm. He wrote gentlemen prefer blondes. He wrote, uh, the, not the Marilyn Monroe one, the original one that the, the Marilyn Monroe one. is based on. Right. And he wrote pride of the Yankees. Yeah. And pride of St. Huh. Louis. Yeah. So he wrote, uh, you know, a lot of things, but they're in the studio. They're in their offices in the studio and they're Drinking. playing poker. They're not. And then, uh, David O'Snell's like, okay, what do you guys got? And all these writers, they just start riffing a story and it's all bullshit. Yes. And they just go around the room. And that's my favorite scene of the whole movie. Oh, well, the scene before that where they're ha- they're they're uh, they're showing the sexism, yet they're getting a payoff for the sexism because they have a girl in pasties who is their stenographer. And so she's just wearing these little these little little pasties while typing up every word that they're not really saying. And so, so they're sure that probably, that probably actually happened. Um, I'm calling. Okay. And so Orson Welles said he was never enemies with Herman Mankiewicz. He said that he, the, the only enemy he had in his life was John Hausman, who also gets the short shift in this story because he actually stayed in the house. He actually was the one that was keeping bank in line Wells believes that Hausman turned Mank against him, and that's where all the animosity came out. But that's not in the movie. I want to. I'm. You know how I felt last year about Irishman, Lynn. This right. is this year's Irishman. It's. I would agree with you. I would agree with you on that, because you you want to love it, but it's I do. Just, I first of all, it feels like it's three hours, and it's only two hours and ten minutes. Yeah, I kept and seeing the thumbnail to watch, and I just haven't pulled the trigger on it yet. On because that. You're going, it, do I want to spend two hours and 15 minutes on this? Well, yes. it's also, I had a, I mean, I will admit, you know, I started it later in, at night, and I had to stop it because I kept rewinding because I kept on saying, it is ver- verbose. It is. Oh, wow. Yes, it is very dense, very dense dialogue. And you got to wow. pay attention. I feel like if you are not a student of old Hollywood, if you don't know anything about Citizen Kane, you're going to be lost. You're going to. It's need... not the story's not true anyway. Well, <laughs> but also, you know, what I'm just saying a lot of people don't realize the whole thing about Citizen Kane and and how it's about William Randolph Hearst and who is William Randolph Hearst and all that. And you that Marion to... Davies was actually a good actress. 
And yeah, and you would have to do a lot of homework to yes. to to be familiar with this. And I think that that's why this is ultimately not satisfying because if you have to do a whole lot of homework to watch a movie, that's not good. You got to earn it. You got to earn right. it. The homework, right? Well, I can't. I just have to say. Charles Vance, all I can think about is The Golden Child. The first time we ever saw him. Wasn't he the bad guy in that? Do you remember that movie was. with Eddie Murphy? Yeah, that, that was Eddie Murphy's uh, dramatic role. Yes. Before he became action hero. Let's see. Hey, guys, I have to step away for like four minutes. I'll be back. Is that okay? Yeah, that's yeah. fine. A little yeah. issue here. I'll be back, okay? All right. Let me in. <laughs> uh, he was also he was also in Four Your Eyes Only. That's that was his first major role. Yeah, he's had an interesting career. He's very good in this, and Arliss Howard is such a bastard in this. But Gary Oldman is very good. I just don't know. You're not going to really like this guy. No, no. And his brother, who, as I already said before, is more celebrated than Mank, is barely in the movie. You know, yeah. you think you'd want to have. You know, one of uh, that's another thing. They in the credits they say, "Oh, uh, Clark Gable was in this, and uh, Greta Garbo, and uh, people playing uh, Charlie Chaplin, Joan Crawford." They're in background scenes. You don't know who they are. They, no, and they don't even say that they're even there. It's just so weird. They don't really talk about Marion Davies's movies. They just show her filming one, and then they talk about her. She made her exit. She went over to Warner Brothers, which and... also they also fudged the timeline on that, too. So because you know what? This was a homework movie. I went home and did my homework and found out actually Slate has a great article about this. What is true and what is not true? And, th and that doesn't even it doesn't even mention. Well, it mentions, but it doesn't take a side on the Pauline Kale or Peter Bogdanovich. It just says, here's actually what did and didn't happen in real life. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't, um, it doesn't take a side on who wrote the screenplay. And what do you think, yeah. Lynn? I'm, I'm curious. What do you think? Who wrote it? Oh, I'm pretty sure Mank wrote most of it. And then Orson might've just done a few little things here and there, but knowing how Orson Welles' ego, just from watching, if you watched, uh, oh, what's that one about the, it's got Zac Efron in it of all things. And Christian McKay plays Wells. It's about his theater company. Yeah. It's not that RKO one where my John Malkovich plays it wasn't RKO 261? No, no. I, I never did see that, which I want to see now, Lee of Shriver. But it's, um, oh, it's from like uh, 2008, nine. It's, um, it's about the, the theater company. and uh, The Mercury Players? Right. And I, I said on the radio last night, I said, you know, they're responsible for the War of the Worlds on the radio, which right. terrified everybody. And, and everybody panicked and they thought aliens were landing. And that's really how people knew Orson Welles back then. But he was the golden child. And then when he married Rita Hayworth, yeah. Rita Hayworth has the best comeback line of any ex-wife ever. She said, when he stepped out of the shower, he expected applause. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, and then Orson Welles never did live up to well, well, that's be well. Magnificent Ambersons was supposed to be ten times better, and then the studio killed it. Right, and 
And then, you know, now he's known for wine commercials and being a magician. And, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, if you do watch Touch of Evil, because they restored it and did that great thing. And then Third Man. Right. With the mirrors, everybody, a student of film history. But I just think this movie, it's, it's being sold one way. Yeah. It's this year's Irishman. It's uh, the movie you're talking about is me and Orson Welles. Okay. All right. So I want to say one more thing when Paul gets back, but um, in the meantime, let's talk about, did you see black bear? I did not. I got too busy with real news story, but I'm going to watch it this weekend. All right. Well, you want to save it for next week then? No, you can talk about it. Okay. Black Bear stars. um, Well, (laughs) it's so it's a weird little movie. It's Aubrey Plaza, who was fantastic in Happiest Season. I'm glad that she is not playing April Ludgate every single time that she is on uh, screen anymore, because for a while she was doing that like. uh, Mike and Zach need wedding dates. She she was that uh, safety, not in not guaranteed that that was kind of an April Ludgate. She's doing more stuff now. So she's actually acting. And I thought she was one of the best parts of happiest season black bear. She plays an actress slash director who you see her sitting on a dock in a red swimsuit. And then she gets up and she starts writing. And then you see maybe what she has been writing and it's a series of vignettes. There are at least two vignettes in this movie. And so she, the first one is about the black bear at the cabin. And this, she plays a person staying at this B and B and the B and B is run by uh, a couple and she, the wife is pregnant. So there's already a whole bunch of what's the word I'm looking for. Uh, not animosity, but tension. There are, there are a lot of tension in the, uh, in the, with the pregnant couple and the pregnant couples played by Christopher Abbott and uh, Sarah Gadon or Gadon. Is it Gadon or Gadon? Oh, oh she was, I think, she it's, was, Ga- I think it's Gadon. I think it's I think I think, a gal. I think it is Gadon too, because she, she was in bell and she was in uh, Dennis Villeneuve's Enemy. And she's done a lot of Cronenberg, too. She was in uh, Maps of the Stars and uh, Dangerous Method and Cosmopolis. So she plays the pregnant wife. And then Christopher Abbott is just a jerk and then starts hitting on Allison, who is Aubrey Plaza. And then a whole bunch of weird things happen. And then the story stops because they see a bear. And then you go back to Aubrey Plaza back on that dock in the red swimsuit and she gets up and she starts writing again. And this time she is playing the wife of Christopher Abbott, but there's a movie being filmed about them and Sarah Gadon, she is, uh, she is playing the Aubrey Plaza Allison part that just was. So it's so Weird, because before there were just three people. Now there are three people, but it's a movie set. So you don't know if this is all in Allison's head, that she had this experience, and then she wrote it down, and that they are all acting it out and making a movie of it, because it's destroying her marriage, who she's married to the director. 
in this vignette. And so you don't know what's going on. I mean, and you don't even need to pay attention because it doesn't really matter because there is a, you're expecting, the first one's pretty short and the second one's long. And you're expecting, well, maybe since the first one was a half hour, maybe the second one will be half hour, but no, the second one goes on for the rest of the movie. But then there's also an epilogue that you don't know what's going on. And it, that doesn't mean it's not enjoyable. It just means that you don't know what's going on. And so it's uh, directed by uh, Lawrence Michael Levine, who uh, did, he did uh, Gabby on the Roof, Wild Canaries, and uh, he did Black Bear, which is this, this movie. Uh, he, he's an independent guy. He likes to write and direct. And so um, it, it, it's, it's a weird little film, but I'm glad Aubrey Plaza uh, is playing an acting role in this. And this movie, one, this is one of these movies back that was in Sundance and people loved it because it, uh, here's what I'm thinking, Lynn, every movie that was at Sundance or TIFF or anyone that they got a deal this year. This was the this was the year to get your independent film made if you if you had it at a major uh, film festival. Yeah, because they're still coming. They're still coming from Toronto and from uh, from Venice uh, Sundance because every movie that we are seeing released from an independent company, it'll be two nineteen or it'll be you know, or from January, 2020 right. at Sundance. I mean, it's just like so much product. Can you imagine if we had a vote like in for St. Louis film critics, like we usually do, it would be next week. Can you imagine? No, I cannot. Because I cannot we're, just, we're just flooded with product right now. And it's been like that for the whole fall. And um, yeah. So I really do want to see it. And I found my email because we get so I get inundated so much. And I thought, well, I surely have black bear. And there it was. So it, it's, 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 it's a weird little film. I'm glad I watched it, but it's just a weird, weird little film. Now let's talk about the movie that uh, everybody loves. It's on every, every list that um, the year end lists are coming out. Our buddy Max Foisy sent us three of them. Right, and there's another one today. Um, before we do that, I want to mention Christopher Abbott. Yes, he is a good actor. Oh, and no, no. I'm, I'm not saying that he's bad in this. Is he's he's playing uh, a one note character. He's a scheming, he, skeezy husband. Well, he just picks really weird roles. I'm just saying he picks really weird roles. Where I first saw him was on Girls. He yeah, played Marnie's boyfriend, who's a heroin addict. Yeah, that that. Uh, there's there's a lot of drug use and drinking in this movie as well. Aha. And the, he, he, he uh, speaking of another Sundance movie, I think it was called James White. Okay. He was the lead in that a couple years ago, 2015, I think, and he was getting a lot of buzz. Well, make sure that if Paul comes back, we'll let him in. But now He's, let's talk about yes. Nomadland. Okay, which is the, it's probably the best movie I've seen so far this year. I was thinking today it might be my favorite movie of the year. Yeah, because I was thinking it just shot up to the top. It's such a, it's like Minori. It's a gentle movie. Mm -hmm. It's directed um, by Chloe Zhao, who is going to be in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. She's going to direct Eternals, 
but she actually made a little nod to her Marvel uh, future in this movie because she has Fern go see the Avengers. So I thought that I thought that was kind of funny. I did too. And because I knew she was going to direct the Eternals, she directed, Hey, Paul, he's back. And is that Jen? Is that Riley? Hey, guys. Hi, yes. Ryan. Ryan. Sorry on, about that. Ryan Sorry, has, does Ryan have her license? She doesn't. She needs to get the darn thing. Yes, she does. Hi, Ryan. Can, then, then I could stay home and, and be with you guys uh, and not have this happen. But you know what? It, all the interesting stuff just adds a little spice to life, right? Yes, it does. Paul, there was one more thing I wanted to tell you about uh, Mank. We talked earlier about Panic Room. The, yeah. origi the original casting for Mank was going to be Jodie Foster in the Amanda Seyfried role and Kevin Spacey in the Gary Oldman role. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Well, was that also because it was years ago? Well, yeah. Like, yeah. They, he, that was, it was, Mank was going to be his follow-up to Panic Room. Well, oh no, my it, was gosh. Gonna be, it was going to be shot after game, the game. Right. So he was gonna he was gonna do that, and then uh, you know, life happened. And uh, so wow. he was doing House of Cards with Kevin Spacey, who was the female um, that was gonna. It was gonna be Jodie Foster, who he had right. just directed in Panic Room. That's crazy. Well, Paul, I know. We're now talking oh. about the uh, one of the best movies of the year, uh, Francis McDormand in Nomadland. Oh, I have not seen it. Tell me uh, more. It's, it's just coming out in theaters today. By the way, Mank is available on Netflix now. It it's was in theaters and now it's in Netflix. Yes. Uh, Nomadland is just opening in a few select theaters today, including Plaza Frontenac, but it is going to open wide after the first of the year. February, they have it shut. But it's going to be an awards magnet. Yes, it's based on a book. It's based on a book called *Nomadland: Surviving America in the 21st Century* by Jessica Bruder, who is she teaches at Columbia Journalism School, and she hmm. watched. She went out to the uh, Pacific Northwest, and followed these people that were, they, they are people of a certain age. They didn't make enough money to retire on their Social Security. And so they sold or got rid of all their possessions and live in either RVs or vans and just travel around doing odd jobs if they're not staying at RV parks. Wow. Yeah, it's like because of the gig economy, uh, Frances McDormand plays a character named Fern. She's the only one that uses a fake name. And who knows that Fern might be a nickname for Frances. And she um, she uh, lived in uh, Empire, Nevada, and everybody in the town was employed by the gypsum factory, U.S. Gypsum. They closed the factory in 2011, and the town ceased to exist. That zip code is no longer. They, everybody the, the post office pulled their zip code. Everybody wow. moved out of the town to find other life. Her husband died of cancer, so she outfits her van and she goes on the road. She lives a very solitary existence, but she finds a community among these fellow nomads, these fellow people. What happened was uh, 
they're near retirement age, but they don't have enough money to retire and live off their social security. So she like works at an Amazon factory. She works at Badlands National Park. She works as a fry cook. She does whatever she needs for just money. Survive. Yeah, just to she, survive. She's wow. eating P PBJs well, and she's well, fixing her car. And well, Lynn, the the Amazon job pays well. It, it pays really well. She does the seasonal work. She does the stuff for Christmas. And so she's a seasonal worker for Amazon, but you know, that's only three months a year. And once the money she makes, she has to pay off her debts from all the people that she borrowed from the last year. So she doesn't have, a, oh. she should have enough to go forward, but she, she's in a position where she owes money to people. So she doesn't have that much money to continue to go for the rest well, of the year. Does do they talk? Is it a social conversation about Social Security at all, or more? Yeah, just these they, stories. Yeah, it's all these people. They're real people. Their names, like we've got Bob Wells. He's a guru among the Nomadland, and uh, uh, there's Swanky, uh, Swanky, and uh, <laughs> there's a uh, Linda uh, May, Linda May. And uh, at one time, they're in the little golf cart because they take care of this RV park that's near the Badlands. My kind of people. National Park. And uh, Francis McDormand goes, we be bitches of the Badlands. <laughs> and so it's just, you know, with the gig economy, that's what the gig economy has done. People don't have any kind of benefits or equity. And uh, the only Important. other act in this film is David Straithorn and he you would know oh. him he's in a zillion movies he's so good he plays this park ranger he takes a shine to Frances McDormand but she keeps him she won't let him get close is yeah, he Edward R. Murrow? Yes David Straithorn was nominated for an Oscar for playing Edward R. Murrow and uh, wow this uh, sounds so good night and good luck great yep but, he, but he's un, unrecognizable. He, he doesn't look like Edward R. Murrow. Like in that movie, he did. This movie, he looks like an old homeless guy. <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow. He, he's the I only other actor. It. He's the only other actor. You'll be hearing about this movie for the rest of the year. It's based, it's based on true people. In fact, besides Francis and David, everyone else is a non-actor, and they're just playing their lives. I, I oh. mean, I I don't I don't wow. know about like the people that they hired to play his family and all that, because there's a whole subplot about him having a granddaughter and then going off. But all the people that are nomads are actually nomads. And cool. uh, she does. She does have the opportunity to settle a more comfortable okay. life. She turns them down. She has a restless soul. Yeah, she and could live with her sister. Yeah, she's very resilient. She's very resourceful. She 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 will take help to a certain point, but most of them are all self sufficient. But they learn from each other. They learn little tricks, and they I learn their vans. Did yeah. they learn to? Uh, did they learn to act? I mean, they're acting, right? But it's really yeah. them. Well, yeah. they're just it's it's shot very cinema verite, like it's a documentary. It you it's it's hard to tell where the narrative story ends and the documentary begins. So they just have to be themselves. That is cool. Yeah, and the, the the cinematography is beautiful. It's James, it's Joshua James Richards. I think that's his name. Let me look it up. It is, it is. And, and oh, beautiful. It's beautiful. Sunsets, they, the West, it's the West. So 
Yeah. And Francis McDormand and Chloe Zhao met at the Independent Spirit Awards. And so they said, hey, do you want to do this project? And four months. Uh, to me, Francis McDormand, she she has the roadmap on her face. You know, yeah. she's just so natural. You know, from seeing her at award shows, she doesn't wear makeup. She, right. she doesn't really care about fashion. She accepted her Tony Award in a jean jacket. Well, you know, she, she doesn't lose that much, but every time she does, she wins an award. Well, after yeah. after we were just before, while Paul, you were gone for a little bit. This is a movie that was at the Toronto International Film Festival, and it won. It won the Venice Film Festival, both the uh, uh, Audience Award and the Golden Lion. So, uh, this movie is going to be big in come award season. In it's fact, very gentle, though. I will say, it's kind of like Minari in terms of like, it doesn't have a lot of bells and whistles. Well, I wanted to say, I, I want to say two two things about that. One. Um, there is a full frontal nudity shot of Frances McDormand in her 63-year-old body uh, in, a, in a lake. And and wow. I was not expecting that. No. And she doesn't that's mind that. Rated, that's why it's rated R. And, well, and the language. They, they, they talk like they talk. And the second thing, because it's a movie and because we are accustomed to horrible things happening in movie, you keep waiting for the other shoe to drop and something absolutely horrible to happen. Like she's going to get attacked or she's going to get, she's going to lose her van. She's going to, and little things like that happen, but it's not, it's not like you're accustomed to like they're the biggest calamity was over dishes. And I actually gasped when dishes broke and it was, <laughs> which I'm, and I'm glad that something not Fun, but uh, that it that that she doesn't end up in a ditch somewhere. Well, the thing yeah. is, is that she um, the first shot is her at her storage unit packing up her van to leave, and what she decides to take, and what she doesn't. And she has one of her husband's shirts, and she smells it, you know, when she puts it back. You know, it's just those little sentimental things. And she has certain dishes. And then she tells that story to another woman in another the RV nomad. park. And so then, so then when dishes break, you, you have the whole backstory. But she's such a good actress. It's like she inhabits this part, but it's not, it's more than that. She, she's like, you totally believe she is this person. Yes, you There's do. not a false note. It's, re it's really do you well know who done. You are is that a spoiler alert, by the way, that she does not end up in a ditch somewhere? Yeah, yeah, I, I guess it <laughs> is kind of a, kind of a spoiler, but because you—that's how you're trained to watch movies. Oh no, something's going to happen horribly, and it, <laughs> not every—we should stop training ourselves to think that everything's going to suck. Down there, yeah, it's true, or blow up or implode on us. Right. And you right. know what? So, yeah. So it's yeah, it's just a very simple movie. This book, Je uh, Jessica Bruder wrote it uh, 2017. She took three years. She lived in an RV camper and she went 15,000 miles. And then she wrote this book about these people. 
So it's just real life. It's what happens to, it's hard work in Americans. It shows the dignity of hard work and it shows how these people have been marginalized by society because it's the gig economy. And believe me, as a, as a veteran of 40 years in newspapers who is semi-retired, uh-huh. you know, um, I get it. I could very easily be at that Amazon warehouse right now. I don't want to see that. Mm, mm, I don't want you to know? see it either, but you'd be great. You'd be great. But <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, you just know that that's, that that is like a lot of people are one step away from that. And the trade-off is she has freedom and they talk about their freedom. They, they trade that off for a less conventional life. And her sister even gives her credit for that. She's like, you are like a pioneer because, you know, the rest, the rest of the family's taking a big dump on her. And she's like, my sister's like a pioneer. She has, she, she's just on the open road. She does what she wants and that's it. I'll be back guys. Sorry. Another illness. I'll be back though. Phone illness. You're the best. (laughs) So I just am amazed at it. This, this Chloe Zhao, Two years ago, she did that movie that won a whole bunch of independent spirit awards called The Rider. Right. And we never did see it. It was one of those movies that fell through the cracks. Like we didn't get access to it in time for our annual awards. And I just let it go through the cracks. But people love that movie. Yes. It was on many top 10 lists. She was, she, uh, Marvel said you can have any movie she she wanted, and she chose Eternals, and that's it's done. Eternals is finished; that they're they're ready to put it out now, but that's not how it's going to work because Marvel movies have to be out in a certain order because you have to watch them in a certain order, and so Disney's not releasing that yet. So it's re- It was supposed to be out like last weekend, but it it it's not yet. She's going to be one of the few uh, um, women nominated for the Oscar. I mean, you know, we can count on our hands how many women have been nominated for Best Director. She's going to be one of the way she frames her shots is gorgeous. She edited the movie, too. Well, yeah, it's she she did a great job with everything. Uh, let's talk about something really. I want to talk about Dear Santa when Paul gets back, but we I reviewed 18 to Party several months ago. Do you remember me talking about that movie? Yes, and now it's it's December 1st. It was released video on demand. Yeah, uh, being a Gen X kid, go back and listen to my old review of it because I liked it more than I think I probably should have liked it. And it's, it's, it's a... a Another movie about uh, there were suicides at the kids' school, and so there's the underlying stuff about that. The latchkey kids. It's it takes place in 1988, so that's why I appreciate this movie because I was around at that time. So, 18 to Party is out now on video on demand. Go back, check out my uh, review of it last time because I don't want to say anything stupid like I think I did last time. I can't remember, Carl, but um, I assigned it to. I have a new reviewer on my website, Alex McPherson. Is he and, is he a millennial or uh, is he yes. a Generation X? He's the he's the next. Well, Generation X. This is a movie for Gen X kids, and the kids are dressed perfectly. They're listening to almost the right music, and but for the 
for the uh, people they're trying to be, they're listening to the correct music. And they're talking about U2 and they're talking about the music they should have been talking about in 1988. Well, in 1988, my son Charlie was born on Leap Day. And uh, when he got married, I was looking up songs from his year. And Rick Astley's Never Gonna Give You Up was number one. Yeah. But I remember because he was a crying, screaming baby. I remember. (laughs) I believe they all are. VH. Well, he was like he never slept. So I was in a rocker, you know, oh, my God, all the time trying to get the kid to sleep. And I watched a lot. That was when VH1 was just coming out. And I watched the U2 where the streets have no name video. Yeah, that's 87 hundreds of times because Mm -hmm. they played that all the time. So I know exactly the frame that you were talking about. So also uh, the prom is in theaters and you've seen it, but they don't want you to talk about it until it's out on Netflix. I know it's at the high point because I thought for sure Nomadland would be at the high point and I checked and it's the prom. And uh, I think St. Louis is running the prom because some of the producers of the stage play are from here. Jack Taylor. Patty and Gregory. And, I, I'm, uh, I'm guessing that uh, they had a private screening. <laughs> yes, they've already seen it. Well, the one I watched last Sunday was a benefit for the Actors Fund and Broadway Cares. Equity. Well, what can you tell us without reviewing the movie? What can you tell us? Um, does Meryl sing? Meryl sings. She's quite a good theatrical actress if you've seen Mamma Mia and if you've seen Into the Woods I have I've the, seen both the of music, those the music version uh I just am gonna say this because I saw the stage play and I dearly loved it and it had so much spark and heart and it's got such a good message and Ryan Murphy Mm-hmm. And I applaud his attention, his intentions. He did Glee and, and he does American Horror game. Story. Yeah. Yeah. He's, you New know, he, he did Glee mm-hmm. for six seasons. That's his claim to fame. And then he produced The Normal Heart, Boys in the Band, American Horror Story. He loves Sarah Paulson. He puts her in everything. Yeah. And uh, he grew up in Indiana. So as a gay kid who couldn't do much, and he said when he came out to Hollywood, he was told not to write about gay characters. So when he saw the prom, it lit something in him and he had to produce this. Mm -hmm. But what he has done is Uh he is... Uh Uh-oh, you don't like the the movie version of the play. No, he has... (laughs) I'm sorry, he has gleed it up, if that makes sense. I get it. I understand what you're saying. It's gaudier. It's glitzier. It's very exaggerated over the top. Those people on Broadway were perfect. They were perfectly cast. But he got some Broadway people. He got James Corden to play parts. He got he brought some Broadway people in. Right. Now, I'm not saying I'm not saying these people aren't good. I actually they look like they're having a ball. And Andrew Reynolds, who I dearly love. I love him, too. He has this great number in the mall where he's dancing in fountain and going down the escalator and okay. it's really, really good. But I'm just saying they have taken it to another level and I don't even know if we needed that other level. Okay. But 
I will say if you have a chance to see the stage version, which was going to be at the Fox and now because yep. of everything, um, the stage version is a perfect musical comedy. Good. Perfect. And so this one, but Chad Bagelin of Centralia, Illinois, did the, uh, he co-wrote the book with Bob Martin. He co-wrote the lyrics and he uh, is a producer on this. So good for him. Uh, I think if you're a, a theater person, you're going to like it. If you're not a theater person, it's going to be hard to take because the two, the, the two themes that are at odds here are, um, you know, this is based on a true story. A gay kid wanted to bring a date to the prom and they wouldn't let her. Oh. And, and this was based, and the guy that actually had the idea saw the newspaper clipping and thought, hey. Let's make, gay people love doing musicals. Let's do a musical. Right. And so it has that be who you are. But it also has because Chad grew up in Centralia, Illinois. So they mock small towns, mm -hmm. which, you know, small town and small attitudes. And then they have the Broadway community who are so vain and so, uh, uh, you Over know, self-absorbed. Self Does so, it want to be like a Christopher Guest movie? Yeah, it's Yeah, it's like all this narcissism meets small town values so it's just it was easier on broadway to pull it off mm -hmm. i think well paul cannot join us because he is in a he is in a horrible horrible um situation with his family right now because mom was supposed to do something and then dad was supposed to do something and they each thought that the other were doing it because that's what happens when you're married <laughs> and your kids don't tell you where they're supposed to be and when. So the movie I was saving to talk to Paul about is called Dear Santa. And it is about Operation Santa Claus from the U.S. Postal Service. I watched it and it's perfectly fine. It's and I love the way that uh, they are all Santa's elves and they are uh, they believe. And it is it is safe to watch with your young children. Which is nice, and it has a good message, and these are good people, and they're doing nice things for other people, which is good, you know, random acts of kindness in a way. And the it's story, the the story about how one of the uh, head elves now was a recipient from Operation Santa Claus like twenty years ago, and now he's giving back. So he's, as they say, paying it forward. And I was surprised how many Jewish people were involved in Operation Santa Claus, at least at least in this um, in this documentary. Right. Well, this is over 100 years old with the post office. I think it's a 100 year anniversary. That's why they did the movie. Uh, it's 107 years old that they've been doing this. So um, I don't I, I think it's great. It's a wonderful program. And uh it's it's good to see and I enjoyed it and it's only like 84 minutes so you can enjoy it with your family have it on the background as you're wrapping presents hopefully doing some charity work all right Lynn what's up what else is on your mind oh sound of metals on Amazon Prime today right uh, which everybody should see Riz Ahmed is fabulous the sound is fabulous um, it's just a good story Paul Racy 
is in consideration for me for for one of the supporting actor slots. Um, I just wanted to say Dear Santa is video on demand. Okay. So Sound of Metal is Amazon Prime. Yeah, Godmother's on Disney Plus. I think, is that Jillian Bell? Yes. Okay. And uh, Isla Fisher. I- Isla. 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 Isla Fisher. The S is silent. Oh, She's I knew, I knew, I knew when I was going to say that, that my mind blanked and I knew I was going to say it wrong. Um, I did see a movie that opened today and then they were very strict about access to, like, you can't say anything till December 4th. It is called All My Life. It is a ah. true love story. I made the gross mistake last night on KTRS of saying it was video on demand and in the theaters. It's only in the theaters, no video on demand. Okay. It is a true love story about one Jennifer Carter and Sal Chow. And uh, it is a sweet love story. I thought it was going to be really sappy and schmaltzy, but Jessica Roth, who was in Happy Death Day and yeah. the sequel. And the sequel, yeah. And uh, Harry Shum Jr., who was on Glee for six seasons. Okay. They're the couple. They're very charming. They have really nice chemistry together. They fall in love. It's kind of cute. They have a cute proposal, flash mob singing the Oasis song. He sings the Oasis song, Don't Look Back in Anger. And mm-hmm. their friends are there. And it's all really cute. Well, they're planning their wedding and he is diagnosed with liver cancer. Oh. And the news is not good. So, so they want to get married right away. So their friends come up with this idea that we're going to raise money to throw because then they, they were like putting the wedding on hold because of all the medical bills. Mm-hmm. So or their friends raised money for this dream wedding and they moved it up from August to April 2015. Oh. And it's a good thing they did because he actually died on the original wedding date. Ooh. Which That's is bad. Odd. So he they got they get married, it's a beautiful wedding. He dies four months later. But this movie has this very positive message, like collect moments every day, live for today. It's very positive. They were very positive people. The wife, the widow, is actually a consultant on this movie. Good. And they do show them at the end, the real people. But Jay Farrow from Saturday Night Live plays his best friend. And uh, there's a couple other actresses. And it's about friends and they get together for food. Like he's a digital marketing, marketing analyst, but his real passion is food. So he wants to be, so he, uh, he doesn't think he can be a chef, but his girlfriend slash fiance, future wife, gets arranges this Thanksgiving feast and she invites her cousin who runs a restaurant. And once she tastes this food, she is like, Oh dude, you got to come work for me. Yeah. And so it's, it's just really a nice little movie. And I didn't expect to like it like I did. And I just think, Hey, you know, in the cynical age, what's wrong with a nice little love story, even though it ends tragically. Well, I'm, I'm hearing from other folks that it's very schmaltzy and, uh, um, cliched and unearned, right. but I didn't. Well, I didn't see it, so and I'm taking your word for it. Yeah, you know, I know I'm a girl, and uh, I was just I, I was really caught off guard because at first I thought, oh no, I'm gonna have to. Didn't Dan hate it too? Yeah, Dan. Yeah, 
Yeah, but but you know, sometimes you just gotta girl up. Yeah. You know, you just got, I mean, it was just, they're just cute together. They have a, it's, you know, I mean, this is not super realistic, serious, but it's sweet. Okay. And I'm just thinking, you know, is it this Hallmark is why movie? People, yeah, this is why people watch Hallmark movies all month. I have all these, these women who are pretty cynical they're all watching Hallmark at night, two, mm. one or two, just to go to bed because right. these are tough times that we're living well, in. Netflix had a Dolly Parton Christmas movie, and now a Holly Dolly Christmas is going to be on CBS on Sunday after football. Uh, actually, not after football, after 60 minutes after football. So it might be at 730. It might be anywhere an hour and a half after that. And if you have direct TV in the St. Louis area, you might not get to see Saturday night live with Jason Bateman because it, channel five is off of direct TV currently. I know my uncle called me up and said, Lynn, I can't get channel five news. What's going on with my TV. That's because uh tenant, uh, not the, not tenant, the, the company that owns channel five and direct TV are not uh, friendly right now. So, right. And that's happened Tegna. before. Tegna, that's it. Yeah, Tegna. That's happened before, hasn't it? Yeah. But normally, normally they do it like around Super Bowl time. So now they're doing it around Christmas time. Uh, let's see. Yeah, there's another movie out today called Half Brothers, but I haven't had time to watch it yet. Have you, Paul? No. Paul, I'm Carl. I mean, Paul. Paul's gone. <laughs> Paul's Carl. not coming back. Um, Half Brothers, Dan saw it and said it was very cliched. So... Um, I was going to see it and then I'm like, eh, no, I didn't want to. And, and you and I have talked about one of the other best reviewed movies of the year is a documentary. And I think I'm documentaried out. So I don't know if I'm going to see collective because it does, it does count for foreign too. So it's a, it's dual. It's, it's a Romanian documentary. Hooray. <laughs> Which is which is interesting. Uh, well, she, Romania has already uh, submitted it. They've already made the shortlist for the Oscars this year. So, right. And uh, Shameless starts on Sunday. If you were a Showtime series fan, it's its last season. Yep. I uh, just really can't get into it, but I, I other friends find it hilarious. Mm -hmm. And uh, new SNL starts Saturday. Unless you uh, have even though if you mm -hmm. don't have direct tv but it's a uh, jason bateman and a uh, morgan wallen who was gonna be on a couple weeks ago but he went he, he went to a party after his football team won and then uh next week is going to be timothy chalamet and bruce springsteen i'm interested in that to see if timothy chalamet can do light comedy because yes and if and if they have chloe Feynman who does a great timothy chalamet impression yeah. Yeah. If they if they do just like Belushi did Joe Cocker. Right. And uh, and then Kristen Wiig is going to be on the Christmas ending show with Dua Lipa. Is that I like right? Me, uh, you said it correctly. I like me some Dua Lipa. I do, too. I do, too. She has some really what? good. She does. Look at Lynn being all hip and knowing current music. Well, sometimes <laughs> I pay. Sometimes I pay attention. Ooh, um, the Dua Lipa. Yeah, well, um, I was looking for music for a um, for a music video I did about theater, and I was looking at current songs. 
And do I found her song about America, which I found very good. She's, did, she, I like her. Didn't she just get a whole bunch of Grammy nominations? She did. And the weekend is really upset because he didn't, but he's going to be the super time, a uh, Super Bowl. And he has the number one song of the year. Billboard's number one song of the year is Blinding Lights by The Weeknd. So Which he's is got a good that. song and they play it all the time. Yes, they do. That's why it's that's why it's number one, because it stayed in the top 10 for like most of the year. <laughs> right. Um, the Hollywood news, the big news is from Warner Brothers saying that they're going to release all their 2021 movies, not only in the theaters, but on HBO Max at the same time. But it's it's interesting because they're going to be on HBO Max for a very limited time and then they're going to go off and then they're going to I mean, they're going to have a run in theaters. And as long as they're in theaters, they'll be in HBO Max. It, once they're out of theaters, they won't be on HBO Max until like the normal time. Then they would be on video on demand so, and they dropped their free trial. Yep. Right before Wonder Woman, <laughs> just like Disney did right before Mandalorian season two came out. Well, um, when I moved, I, I got AT&T TV, which offered HBO Max for a year. As you should. I, I love HBO Max. They, they have all the Studio Ghibli stuff. They have a lot. I'm going to be watching Conan when he goes to the weekly show on HBO Max. So I, I'm a fan of HBO Max. Yes, I just watched Birds of Prey on it because I have to vote in the Super Awards for the Critics' Choice Association. But so you can that, also you can also watch the Harley Quinn animated series, which is very filthy. So it's it's great. Well, this movie was. Oh my goodness. No, no, the 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 animated series is more filthy than the movie was. Okay. Oh wow. <laughs> oh wow. And, and then um So did you interview Denny Regan? I did, and he is a true prince of a fellow. He loves the Muni so much. He has been there every night. Except on opening when night. His, when his brother got married. His brother got married on an opening night? How'd that happen? Oh, no, like on a Saturday night, and that was the only night he wasn't there. Oh, wait, he, was, he goes to every show? Yeah, he's like Tom Calhoun with the blues. Wow, okay. Iron Man, yeah. Yeah, and he just loves it so much. He will not retire until December 2021. But then he is going to stay on as a senior advisor because he really wants to see the capital campaign continue. Good. He's very proud of the work they're doing. Uh, they've pretty much got the whole campus renovated. And, uh, and the know, trees the, are back. And the new stage, which we have enjoyed. And uh, I really look forward to seeing him stand there next year with the, you know, he's always got those plaid blazers on, you know, yep. and, and he's all, uh, just hugging people and he, everybody court. knows him. So he started when he was 16, picking up trash. Dang. I started when I was 19, picking up uh, coffee. <laughs> so how about that? You know, it's good. I mean, he, yeah, he's had, so, a, he's had a good career there. Yeah, so um, I'm working on my story. I've just been really super busy with the news, and I want to give him a good, because we had a really nice talk. So it wasn't just, it was beyond the press release. Let's put it like that. Good. So in, in local, we have the, the um, Metro Theater Company, which gears to a young audience, and they're wonderful people. Mm -hmm. They have two free 
readings of A Christmas Carol on December 10th and December 13th. And we'll have somebody next week to talk about it. But they have managed to gather an all-star cast to read. Uh, John Walbers is a great, uh, uh, what do you call it? A playwright who takes uh, old versions of things and makes it fresh. Like he did. He, he adapts them. Yeah, he did uh, It's a Wonderful Life last year or two years ago for a radio play. And he did a fabulous job. Reimagining? Yes. Mm-hmm. And he does great work. So he's done a new version of Christmas Carol. Sterling K. Brown and his wife, who is an actress, mm-hmm. is going to, they're going to be readers. So is going to be Ken Page, Ellie Kemper, and get this, John Mazalak and Paul Goldschmidt wow. from the Cardinals. And so this got this huge cast of characters, local St. Louis celebs. Ryan Michelle Bethay. Yes. And uh, so this is going to be fun. So you just sign up. I signed up last night. It's free. But if you want to pay $3 to cover their ticket costs and, you know, just give them $3 to do it, you can do that. So all you got to do is just go get the link and then they will mail you the link so you can listen to it on the 10th i signed up for 6 30 on the 10th and you can sign up for the 13th too but you can't excuse me if you want if you pay 50 dollars, they'll give you the dvd Ooh, okay of it as a thing but they do great work they do things at the grandel mm-hmm. and it's always geared to young audiences and uh just really great people I highly recommend that. And then we have a Bill Clevelin, one of our guests that was yes. on. He's having virtual book signings on his Facebook page. So good. Yeah. So check those out. And then what else we got? Did you go through Grant's Farm? I Hall? did. Um, we, went, we went through Grant's Farm. We went to Eckert's. We went to the St. Louis Aquarium to see Scuba Claws. We drove by the... Uh, shrine. We did not get to go into the shrine because the line was huge at the shrine because the shrine's free. My wife wants to do the brewery lights drive through. She wants to do the uh, Central West End uh, uh, diorama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, we've driven down Candy Cane Lane watching them build this brand new sand sculpture that they're still working on. So well, Candy Cane Lane isn't too far from our homes, and uh, I saw I went to Legrand's last uh, night before last, and I saw the line already because they turned yeah. the lights on at six, and it looks beautiful. So if you haven't been to Candy Cane Lane Holiday Tour, it's a neighborhood who goes all out, and you can go through the donut drive-through afterwards. Well, <laughs> I always go all the way down. You stay on Candy Cane Lane. For another one, two, three blocks, you have to cross Jameson. You go past St. Gabriel's, and then you go to Angel Avenue, where a local person has uh, done one of those lighting spectaculars to music. And you turn your car radio to that, and you sit there for uh, a long time and watch the 
lights be in tune with the music. It's great. It's you start you start on the other side of Nottingham School first, then you go through Candy Cane Lane because they have music on theirs, and so it's it's a whole South St. Louis thing. Okay, well, uh, yeah, this is my first Christmas in the neighborhood, so I will definitely do that. The Walking Christmas Carol Tour in the Central West End is by the St. Louis Shakespeare Festival, and what they have done is self-guided tour. You can take this anytime. Mm-hmm. What it is is they reimagined what sticks – when we were kids, how we would go to Sticksbear and Fuller and Famous Bar and see Downtown. the window yep. displays. That's what they have done here is they have had Central West End do this. So you can go at any time, walk around and do that whole tour. It's um, my wife is looking forward to it. We're going to do it one day, I think next week. And then you have, um, and then of course we talked about Stray Dogs Home for the Holidays. And that really is going to be fun because I know some of those singers. I hope so. Good. And then what else do we got? I think we're pretty much it next week. Wander darkly. I guess the ending in the last, in the first five minutes of watching it. Well, we have Minari Minari, which I liked very much. Oh, does that count as a foreign film? We're going to have to figure that out because I know part of it, the grandma. Oh my God. The grandma grandma's great. And the kid that I told you that kid's going to be Jacob, like Jacob Tremblay was during award season, but then we're having virtual awards. So it won't be like, Right. But that kid, oh my God. But the grandma is just so good. And then the dead, I mean, they're all good. They're all good. It's just, it's based on the director's life and it's so gentle. It's about the middle of nowhere in Arkansas and he is going to farm. So it's a Korean family and the American dream. And it's, it reminds me. We'll talk about it next week. Next week. And then uh, the prom. And then what else do we have? There's, oh, Wolf Walkers. Oh, the I need Apple, to see that this week. The Apple TV, because it premieres December 10th, I think. Mm-hmm. It's it's being touted as the animated film of the year. I will see. I'm going to watch it next week then. Yeah, it's the bet. It's the, by the people who did the Secrets of Kells, of the Kells. Secrets of the Kells. Which was really good. It was. So we have that. So there's there's like five different films, I think. Yep. Well, that's just as many as this week. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> All right, Lynn, have a good week, and I will talk to you then. Yes, everybody stay safe, wear your mask, support local, take care. Bye. Bye-bye.